doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I will be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football, I like football season, and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live, that's right, live, right after the big game, which happened to be Super Bowl 57, mm-hmm. and it just happened. You're back from Radio Row, or whatever you were, the media pass. Yeah, the yeah, thing. I don't stadium. care. I don't know. I wasn't yeah. there. I didn't get in. You didn't. I didn't get in, but you're there. So we all saw the game. We're going to recap it, go through the whole thing. How was it, man? How was the game? It was good. This was probably a much nicer vista when it was... Uh... You know, light out and stuff, rather than just a curtain or backdrop. You know, light. Yeah, the, the light room. background probably would have been nice. How do we look? It so looks we, all right. We it looks up, intimate here. I'm looking at it on the uh, the YouTube. Yeah, we ended up with two very dramatic, different stories of uh, experiencing Super Bowl 57. Yeah, I I, I had the media credential the whole way, so I, I I used that. I went to the media, to the to the stadium, well watched done. the game. Well done by you. Your pursuit of a credential came up short. Fell short. So you the day before up. it was like a, it was like a Jalen Hurts Hail Mary is what I was trying to throw yeah. late in the week here, and it fell about 20 to 25 yards short. Yeah. So you wound up sitting alone in the hotel room, eating wings. That's right. I did. I um, I made the most of my time not going to the game. Yeah. Had a shave, a little shave. Had a shower. Got some work done, <laughs> and I ordered a whole bunch of wings. Crushed some wings. Yeah, uh-huh. it sounded kind of sad. Yeah. Now, because we it, were we were just so people we were only allotted one Super Bowl credential. Yeah. As a company, mm-hmm. and we pursued a second one. Yes. And um, basically, at the you know at the last second, we were denied. Yeah. It was too late. They said we would have given it to you, but it was just too late. The good thing is, um, had you made it. Had you been credential and been given the extra credential and been placed in the auxiliary media cattle pen the way I was, <laughs> you physically would not have fit there. Really? Wouldn't have fit, would not have made it in down the aisle. You wouldn't have made it to the seat, let alone been able to shoehorn yourself into the seat. What would I actually do if I was there? If they were I, like, hey, you're sitting in the seat and it's like, I honestly don't assigned? know. You would have had to like stand in an aisle somewhere and just, you know. Stand there for four hours. Sounds terrible. I don't even know if I want to pursue a future Super Bowl credential, if that's what it's going to be like. You definitely... I mean, if I imagine if you could get into the real press box, that would have been quite nice. But the uh, the auxiliary like scaffolding thing was, was pretty rough. But I ended up sitting next to a friend of the show, Greg Rosenthal. Oh, see? Look, you were sitting with our friends and everything. Yeah. He then left, though, so... Oh, he found a better spot. Yeah, I think so. Greg found a different spot to sit, huh? Yeah. It's and, uh, and So it's- I had a little FOMO going on right. for me and as much as your you got wings on your own in a hotel room i got a sad cardboard box full of crappy sandwich you did send me a few updates right so i was asking about the food but when i was when i had that fomo that's that's fear of missing out yes I, it was it was food related and it was you know you know the super bowl being at the super bowl uh-huh. so i wanted to know what the spread was so you sent me a picture of your food they gave you a box to lunch that's what you got yeah uh-huh because and the box it's not so that that wrapper thing is 
a ham and cheese croissant thing. It's not even like a it's not even like a roll. It was it was awful. There was no area. There was no that came from the area. There was like you couldn't go to the the media. No, you couldn't get into the real press box. That was like on another stand somewhere. Wow, that's pretty you were rough. stuck. It was literally this thing that they had constructed in the south or the north end zone or whatever it was, right, Me- out of scaffolding, which blocked the entire stanchion, yeah. right, which created a bottleneck, which essentially gammed up the entire concourse of people for like twenty minutes. So I'm like standing there, I can see where I need to be, and there's just a mass of people that can't move anywhere. Apparently. This so this a rumor went around that some guy was walking around with a hundred thousand dollar like chain, which somebody stole from his neck. So consequently, everybody on the concourse was getting like patted down. And I did eventually see somebody get hauled off in cuffs. So maybe they found him. But whilst <laughs> this was happening, nobody was moving anywhere in the press area or just outside. Just the- like below it, where the the giant throng of people was now reduced to like double file because of the lack of space. Who went to the Super Bowl to like boost a hundred thousand dollar chain? Yeah, yeah. I wonder I who know. did that. I wonder who did that. Can we throw that? Can we throw the image back up really quick? Because as as I was, you know. A little, you know, trying to make myself feel better. I was like, how many wings am I going to eat today? I settled on two dozen. Two dozen. And in an onion ring. <laughs> and uh, so we went with some lemon pepper and some buffalo wings. And we uh, ordered them. We got a little, uh, you know, I freshened up. And, you know, got, all, got some work done and everything. And then settled down with some wings. Crushed those wings before the game. Thought I might order more by halftime. Do you have a, what's a personal record in ring, wings having been thrown down? Oh, we're definitely in the 50 to 60 range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, there, I, was a, there was a spot at the local, one of the local colleges near home that was like 10 cent wings. 10 and, cent wings? Yeah, yeah. Like Thursday nights or something like that. We would go, they were small, they yeah. were small, but we would go and say, just, you know, give me 50. You know, just start with 50. Okay. And uh, maybe I got up to 60 or 75 at one point. I don't know. But this was a two dozen. They were solid. Right. They were good. It's good so I feel good about that. I feel good about my uh, my food versus yours. No, my food was was awful. It, it was it sucked. You were a little ahead. You would text me a few big plays like, "What was that?" And then I would see it on TV. That's a little frustrating. Yeah, this is like my life on a weekly basis because usually I stream the things and you're watching your fancy ass direct yeah. TV. So for the last eighteen weeks, that's what I've got. So you know, take it back in the Super Bowl. <sighs> well. It was nice being. I was mostly. I was ahead of the satellite people and the streaming people, but I was behind you. So right. you know, you're caught in the middle. So anyway, did you have anything else? Do you want your first Super Bowl experience? Anything else you wanted to uh, cover before we get into the game? No. So the you know the the process of of sitting in the cramped pan and the the food was crappy, but you got to see the game right in front of you. I tell you one thing that was pretty interesting. They they had kind of largely segregated the crowd from the Eagles fans were behind the Eagles sideline largely. And the Chiefs fans behind the Chiefs sideline generally. So we were in one of the end zones, which meant that you essentially had one side of the stadium would react positively or negatively to any given play. And the other side of the stadium would have the opposite reaction. So like big play happens, the left side of the stadium cheers, the right side of the stadium boos. It's, it was pretty insane, pretty cool. Yeah, that might, that's interesting. You don't get that. In uh, in most games, there was that one play too. The Devonte Smith reviewed touchdown, where mm. both teams were like walking to the spot, right? And um, that felt like my experience trying to get a credential for this place because there was there was a five minute window in which we went to the to get the credentials, and they were like, "Yeah, of course you have game credentials." Yeah, all of you, everybody that's here for PFF, of course you have game credentials. So for 
five to ten minutes on Friday, I thought I was going to the game until they were like, oh, no, you only have one. Sorry. There, there was a brief moment where we did think everyone was getting credentialed and everyone was going to the game. That was nice. All right. You want to get into the, uh, the football yeah. action? And we have to start in your usual dumbass way of doing this. We've got to start at the end. I was going to start at the beginning. No, see, can't do it. This time you got to start at the end, which was the holding call. All right, so it's 35-35. We all saw it. We'd have to do less uh, describing. But 35-35, it's third down. The Eagles have no timeouts left, so they pretty much have to make this stop. If they made the, the Chiefs are in field goal range. If they're... If the Chiefs, it was also, it was like third and seven, right? In the red zone. If they just converted a first down, the game was over. Yeah. Right? It wasn't third and goal. They had a first down that they could get. Third and seven, Mahomes drops back. He's feeling a little bit of pressure. He throws it up. And then you get the the holding call. Mm-hmm. What do you think? James Bradbury gets called for holding against Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Now, first point that needs to be made is James Brad- Bradbury came out in the locker room after the game and said it was holding. He tugged his jersey. He was kind of hoping he would get away with it, and he didn't. Um, I agree with him. He did grab the jersey. You can see on the replays. It's not egregious, but he grabs the jersey, and there's, like, extension there, and any time an official sees jersey being pulled, it's an automatic flag. It's like soccer is the same thing. The second you see the jersey get pulled, the guy's going to give a free kick. It just it, It's the way it works. Now, could he have let it slide? Yes, would it have been better had he let it slide? Probably. That's the problem. But it's pretty hard to complain about that call. Like it's it's Dude. he gave him he gave the official the excuse to throw the flag and the guy threw the flag. The TV copy did not have a good view of it, right? So there was not the re- the replays that everybody was seeing. It didn't look. It was because it was on the first break by Juju. There were some people asking, "Is it legal?" I've I've seen a lot of questions. Like a lot of people talking about, "Is it legal? Was it within five yards?" And this and that. Was it? Should it have been pass interference? None of that matters, right? So you can never hold yes. as a defensive player. So a holding can ha- occur anywhere. Doesn't matter if it's five yards. Doesn't matter if it's behind the line of scrimmage. Doesn't matter if the pass is catchable. It's a. Bef- that's why you hear the ref say before the pass was thrown, right. or it doesn't really matter. It's just a holding. Has nothing to do with um, pass interference. The I think the problem that's been raised. My uh, my friend back in New England, Michael Hurley, who covers the uh, the NFL back there for uh, NBC Sports Boston brings up the point that last year's game where Logan Wilson had the defensive hold, it was the first defensive hold in that game back against Rams-Bengals. This was the first defensive hold in this yeah. game. They both occurred just under two minutes. They both basically handed a first down to a team and essentially ended the game, right? Um, and this one did pretty much end the game. So that's where I think people are upset. It's the fact that they had not seen penalties the entire game. Um, the Chiefs got away with, uh, or the Eagles got away with one early. Was it the Chiefs? One of the Chiefs' first drives, where there was probably a pass interference over the middle that James Bradbury got away with early in the game. So it's one. Of, you've said this before, right? It's like, oh, it's going to be one of those games. It's going to be one of those games. We're going to play mm-hmm. it like that. We're going to play it like a playoff game. Be a little bit more aggressive. Because James Bradbury said, yeah, I, t- I, I grabbed him. But the follow-up question would be like, did you did you do that at, at other times during the game? Did you get away with like six of them? You know, we yeah. won't know until we really see the film and everything. But it was the timing of the call, I think, that really has people like, man, that hurts. And then Jalen Hurts also loses the opportunity to drive back. We've got this epic back-and-forth game. The Eagles just had an incredible drive to, to tie the game down eight. The Chiefs, of course, come back because they've been unstoppable in the second half, and they deserve credit for that. Mm-hmm. And then 
we we lose the drama of Jalen Hurts with like a minute 20, whatever would have been left, no timeouts to get into field goal range, which was doable, and that could have set up overtime or it could have whatever. We we lost some drama there. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's unfortunate. Like I, the problem is because it's the kind of jersey pull type of holding. The second the jersey gets pulled, you give the guy the excuse to throw the flag, and he ends up throwing the flag. So it's very hard to complain about it. The complaint is, did you really need to throw that flag in that moment, which does effectively determine the game. You hear all the time about how officials don't want to be the the story. They don't want to be the reason the game is decided. Well, that was one that absolutely did that. Like, when the, flat, when the jersey comes out, you kind of throw the flag automatically. But if you're looking at that and going, that's a pretty marginal call. I, we can probably keep the flag in our pocket here. That's the issue. But I think when you reach a game like this, it's 35-35 with a couple of minutes left. All of a sudden, the clock... This is the problem with high-scoring games. The, the games that everybody loves, this high-scoring, back-and-forth, you know, punch-for-punch, blow-for-blow... Eventually, the clock becomes a problem, and the game winds up becoming simply who has the ball at the end. Like, that's the issue. And the Chiefs had the ball at the end, and they ended up being able to control the clock, wind it all the way down, and essentially give the Eagles no chance to answer. That's the only downside to this world that the NFL is pursuing, which is everybody scores 40 points, and, you know, it's a constant battle. It's points, it's yards, it's, it's offense left and right. But eventually the clock becomes an issue and it simply becomes who has the ball last. Let's let's run back. So one of the things that got us to that point, right? I, there was the, Nick Sirianni, it felt like, the Eagles head coach, felt like every single move he was making was incredible. Turning to gold, right? Fourth down decisions. He goes for it on fourth and five early in the game. And Jalen Hurts you know, runs a QB draw for a big gain. That leads to a score. Every decision Sirianni's making is incredible. There was a sequence in the third quarter. I think it was the third quarter. Um, Nick Sirianni, the Eagles have the ball. It's third and ten. The play clock's running down. Has a chance to call timeout, and he doesn't do it. We talk about this a lot, where coaches will burn the timeout, and when it's in the second half, it is probably better to take the five yards. So it's third and ten. It's around midfield. And then on that next play, it's third and 15. That's the pass into double coverage or, you know, away from double coverage to Dallas Goddard yeah. for the catch. And then Andy Reid ends up challenging and losing a timeout on that challenge. An incredible turn of events. So Sirianni saves a timeout, allows the delay of game to happen. They go to third and 15. The Eagles still convert. And then ultimately the Chiefs end up losing a timeout and a challenge on that. That felt like this incredible, like, little thing that was going to pay dividends at the end. But then later on the drive, Sirianni did end up using a timeout. It was third and 11. They were in field goal range, and he said, okay, I can't go to third and 16. We need a touchdown here. The Eagles were up three at the time. So they call the timeout. They don't get it on third down. They're two. It's about fourth and seven. They end up kicking the field goal. All of the models basically said it's a toss-up. Go for it versus kick the field goal. They go up six. But Sirianni ended up using a timeout. And all this all, – so twice – they're getting the play in too late, whatever it is. That ended up costing them, man. Because well, so, just having one more timeout would have given the Eagles a chance to get back and, and, and tie it on another drive. The first one, when they didn't use the timeout, what happened on that play was A.J. Brown got hurt at the end of the previous one and was slow limping to the sideline. Ah, and they okay. were late getting the whoever the receiver was. I don't think I don't think it was Zach Pascal. It was some other receiver. It was basically 
Sirianni was slow getting the guy to leg it back on the field to replace A.J. Brown. And by the time they got everybody lined up, the clock was down. They ran out of time. So that was like, that was the thing that, that broke down there for them to, to be late on that and not be able to get it in. So th- that that sequence, man, ended up being pretty huge, right? The fact, Because those timeouts at the end, if, if the Eagles had the ball with you know a minute left, they have an easy chance to you know, go and score and, you know, kick a game tying field goal. And then maybe we're seeing overtime in this game. That was, that was legendary. So do you want to go back to the beginning? Or are we going to keep working? Yeah. yeah, No, no. Now we've done the, the, the end thing the most, first. Now we can go back to the start. We've done the most recent thing that everybody's uh-huh. talking about. All right. Well, before we get to the beginning of the game, the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. This is not Western and Southern Studio, it's but not. we'll be back there. Very much not. For the uh, the Tuesday episode, we appreciate Western and Southern and all their support throughout the entire season. Okay, back to the beginning of this game. Mm-hmm. Eagles start out in the opening drive. No, even before that. There was a coin toss? No. Nick Sirianni became the most tearful anthem person, overtook Noshawn Moreno's tears, Man was blubbering senseless with the tears for the national anthem. That's the beginning of the story. Which, by the way, is an awkward thing to do, the national anthem, when you're in that cattle pen because standing up is tricky. And apparently you informed me that as an Irishman, I still had to stand and pay respects to the national anthem. You stand and pay respects to the national anthem. Right. So this was a problem. So um, Tears streaming down Sirianni's face. Man was emotional. hmm. Thoughts? Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Before this before this big game. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The freedom we have in America to play some football. Just just while there's the tears. UFOs flying all over the place, which apparently were just forecast. You didn't see the YouTube commercial. The U2 commercial. I didn't see any commercial. There was a U2 commercial where they're looking at a UFO, and I'm thinking they either just spooled up this commercial two days ago to uh to catch up with current events. Or they've been sending Chinese balloons for the last month, setting up the U2 promotional tour. You're telling me U2. U2. I keep saying U2. The band. U2. Right. The band. Bono. Bono. Bono has been sending balloons up into Alaska to get shot down by the U.S. military. Anything to get the, you know, the people talking during the Super Bowl. That's what's happening. Has this been, has this been mooted somewhere? Or are you creating this All I'm telling theory? you is there was a commercial where they said, look up in the sky... There's a UFO, and so they're either. I'm just asking. Are they're you either trying to play off of current events? I understand. Or they've created the current. But are you te- are you now the first person to voice the conspiracy theory that Bono has been? Sending? I threw it out into the ether on Twitter, and a lot of people just like, yeah. Bono has been sending cylindrical things into the sky above Alaska to get shot down by the U.S. Yeah, military. Huron. There was there was one up in the over the Great Lakes today, as well, and, and Canada. Was, yeah, so, there's been three, I believe. Yeah. Where does where does Bono get a, a collection of cylindrical dude's, UFOs? Dude, it's been huge since the 80s. He's got a lot of money, man. He does, but where, I mean, I, I, okay. So anyway, that was a big story as well. Apparently. Have we talked it might be any, an even bigger story tomorrow if that is true. Have we talked to any of the football game? No, very little. So the Chiefs win the toss and defer. Yes. 
I got I got a quick I got a quick bone to pick here. Oh god. Everybody gets it. Everybody tries to get into like the psychology of the did you why why did you choose to defer? Why did you choose to defer? I say this on the podcast once every six months, I believe. You always defer. Of course you defer. That's because, what you do. But people think like, oh, you, your, your, your offense starts uh, quick, so maybe you want to get the ball early. Or maybe you want to uh, – you always want to get the ball in the second half because you just want more possessions in the second half instead yeah. of the first half. But That's this- why. That's why they do it. And just a reminder. I want to remind everybody because we all grew up with Madden, and in Madden you could choose. Yeah. Right? In Madden you could, you could choose. I want – you were not allowed to defer in the NFL to about two thousand two thousand eight or so. You weren't allowed, which is why for every all of us grew up and you heard the Chiefs have won the toss and have elected to receive. They had no choice. They had to receive. They were not allowed to defer their choice. If you won the toss, you had to receive every NFL game up to two thousand eight or whatever. And then when they finally were allowed to defer, it took a few years to, for teams to catch on and say, "Oh, I can have the possession in the second half." Oh, okay, I'd rather do that. Yeah, and now they do generally as a matter of course. But this was a game where there was talk before that it would actually be a game if you're Kansas City where you don't necessarily want to defer, not because it's not it's still not the most smart, you know, statistical way of doing it, but because of the unique matchup with Philadelphia, which is we'd been saying in the preview show there's definitely a world where Philadelphia's offense rolls. They get in a good groove. They do the front-running thing that they've done all season long, and they put Kansas City under some serious pressure. But the, the, the potential issue for Philadelphia was if the reverse happens and Kansas City gets a quick score, all of a sudden they put some serious scoreboard pressure on Philadelphia, and that's a scenario we haven't necessarily seen them in so far this season. And maybe... This is a team where you actually do want to receive the ball and try and put them under that pressure early and avoid them being in the situation that they've been in so often this season. Um, but it they did, didn't. It did feel like early on it was like it, the Kansas City defense was flying around. They were hitting hard. It looked like they were trying to – I'm not saying they were trying to hurt Devontae Smith, but because like every time you hit him, it just it has a bigger impact. <laughs> the guy weighs a buck fifty. They were hitting him hard. Yeah. It felt like the Chiefs were coming in saying, We want to send a message defensively. Devontae Smith happened to be on the on the end of it, right? Right. Um but it felt like one of those games where the defense like when you have the jitters and the, the adrenaline, it's actually better to be on defense. But it didn't matter because the Eagles still went down the field mm-hmm. pretty handily. They did their rugby stuff. Jalen hit a uh, he hit, Jalen Hurts missed his first throw and then they converted three straight first downs one from the pocket one with a run or with a scramble from Hurts I believe it was and then um, one with a scramble and a pass from Hurts whatever it was they had three straight first downs on three straight plays and started moving the ball so Eagles get up seven nothing pretty quickly and it's like all right they came to play yeah they look good they did I mean both offenses showed up and and made pretty light work of their opening drives and it was like oh wow this is this is gonna be a fun game and then. Um, combination of defense and penalties showed up. And I hate offensive pass interference being a 10-yard penalty. I hate it. Yeah. It feels like loss of down kind of does enough, doesn't it? Yes. In this world, again, where like if we're pushing for nonstop points and offense and yards and stuff, why are you torpedoing drive by saying, all right, not only do you lose the catch you made because it was offensive pass interference, but also... We're going to take you 10 yards further back. And now you're dealing with first and 20. Yeah, that hurt the Eagles, what, their second drive? Yeah. Chiefs go down. Um, so the Chiefs' first drive, 
they they go down the field even quicker, right? There was like four or five plays. Travis Kelsey wide open. Kelsey was wide open on play action. He was wide open. They got him one on one on Marcus Apps. Run the double move. Mahomes hits him perfect. Um, it was. I mean, it was like all right. Both teams came to play. Both offenses came to play. The Chiefs end up getting that stop. They go down again, miss a field goal. Harrison Butker mm-hmm. with the doink, and then things opened up again for the Eagles. Where, um, well, when did the? Uh... Oh, so the next, yeah, the next drive was AJ Brown mossing, yeah, two defenders for the touchdown. I liked. So the Eagles took a shot play in the first on the first drive to Brown, and Jalen Hurts threw the ball out of bounds. And did, it was one-on-one, didn't give him a chance. The second one, it wasn't really double coverage. He was throwing it away from the safety, but there were two defenders back there. Hurts just kind of threw it up, and uh, A.J. Brown just went up. Incredible job tracking the ball for a touchdown for the Eagles to go up 14-7. to Yeah, it wasn't that it was um, It wasn't that it was double coverage. It was that he threw – I mean, the corner had position. Like, it was weird. Jalen Hurts was taking these shots in this game. We, remember, again, pregame – um, we're theorizing that Spags is going to get aggressive. He's going to play a lot of single high. He's going to blitz. He's going to come after them with man coverage. And they're basically going to dare Jalen Hurts to take those kind of shots. They weren't. They were playing, not soft, but they were playing with a lot of middle of the field, open, two high safeties kind of things. And Hurts was putting the ball up in the air anyway. He was just going, all right, to hell with it. I'm going to take a shot. And threw it to Jalen Hur- or to um, A.J. Brown. I think it was Trent McDuffie had position on him, and then Brown made the play. McDuffie kind of stumbled, made a mess of it, trying to turn around and locate the ball, and Brown ends up with a touchdown. Like There was another one late on where it required Brown basically breaking it up to stop that being a, a bad play. The second one was definitely more double coverage-ish, right? Yeah. Somebody, um, one of the safeties at least got his hands on it. But then the flip side of that is... Like, two of um, Hertz's best plays were the the one to Devontae Smith that they took away on yep. review, and then the dime to Dallas Goddard on the, the long third down where they reviewed it and almost took it away from him. Like, it was a kind of strange game from Hertz passing the ball in addition to obviously what he did on the ground. I think all that's I think that's all part of the game plan, man. I, I, when people said this for years with the Patriots dynasty, we've said this for the last few years with the Chiefs, it's really tough to hold the Chiefs under 30, right? You, you hold them yeah. to 28, 27, maybe 24, you know, on, on good days, right? They're going to score points. So you always have to play uh, a higher variance game. And the Eagles, we said this on the show too, like if the Eagles are going to make the right moves as far as fourth down aggressiveness, but also I think taking the deep shots is part of that, right? I love that on the first drive, they took a shot play to A.J. Brown. Now, I thought they got away with it, away from it a little bit as the game went on. They didn't always need, like, they, they moved the ball pretty effectively. But they got away from it a little bit. But it felt like early on they were like, we have to play this variance game. We have to take some shots. We'll run the ball. We'll do all these things. But we have to get X number of shot plays in there to A.J. Brown. This one paid off. It was 45 yards. Eagles go up 14-7. to Then um, they stop the Chiefs, get the ball back. So now you've got... Eagles have all the momentum here, Sam. Momentum. All the momentum. It's 14-7. to seven, And the back-to-back plays that uh, always happens in these close games, when you go back and say, where did you lose it? This is one of the places. Third and inches. The Eagles get into their QB sneak formation right near midfield. And Eagles false start. 
They false start. They go back to third and six. Next play is the one where Hertz is running and just drops the ball. Mm. Um, Nick Bolton recovers it, runs it back for a touchdown. It was essentially, you know, when you see the two plays back to back, the false start where they almost certainly would have converted the first down, right. and held the ball, With the ends up becoming push. a seven point penalty there for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, the, the Eagles were using the double cheek push plays every time they had third and fourth and short and they were converting them. they were unstoppable like it, that play for them is basically unstoppable um and you're right when you false start you take yourself out of that range and all of a sudden you've got to do something different and that gave the opportunity for Hertz to just randomly drop the ball I will say that um I mean it's kind of self-evident given that the given the stats and performance that he ended up with overall but obviously we know Mahomes like no moment is too big for him right his resume has already shown that at this point the moment clearly wasn't too big for Jalen Hurts either. I mean, he, yeah. right from the start, looked cool, calm, collected, was playing well. Um, okay, he made mistakes. We talked about risky shots down the field and, and just dropping the ball for that fumble. But he looked like a guy that had been there before or at the very minimum like was not phased by the situation at all. I guess he kind of has been there before, right? Like national championship game. Yeah, it's not like this is his first. Yeah, I mean, he came in. You know, Came in for Tua, who was hurt in the, right. the SEC championship and won it. I think he, I think Hurts did win a national championship when he was a starter as a freshman. I forget. Bama's won so many. I forget the exact years. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was. There was a couple of bad plays. I don't think there was anything. I always watch the QB's first throw. Right, the first throw Hurts made. I think was the one that was thrown out of bounds to AJ Brown. I think you do have some jitters probably on the first one. After that, though, man, I thought he did a great job. There was one play where the Chiefs finally blitzed. Right. You had mentioned maybe they're going to be aggressive. They started out with the four-man rush and tried to trust um, the four-man rush against the Eagles' offensive line. And then Spags mixed it up, had a slot corner blitz in Hurts. Hurts is really good at uh, beating the blitz in multiple ways, right? Most quarterbacks are just going to read it out and you know throw behind it or whatever. And Hurts can't do that. He can read it, hit the open man. But other times, he just breaks contain. He broke contain on the slot corner, hit, it, hit an open throw. I thought there was a lot of just great plays from Jalen Hurts outside of the, really the two ones that, one into, one bad one into double coverage and the one where he dropped. Mm-hmm. They were, I mean, th- this was such a, like, the Eagles were really kind of beating the crap out of the Chiefs in the first half. Like, that fumble was huge in that first half because their defense was doing a really good job bottling up Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. If they had scored in that drive instead of, the Chiefs ending up getting a scoop and score touchdown. Like this could have been, this could have been really ugly by the end of the first half. It, as it was, it was a ten point deficit and felt like the Chiefs were clinging on. You know, late in that game, they didn't. They got the ball with two minutes or so to um, to try and get their double dip drive. You know, the the whole yeah. point of the deferring is if you get the ball at the end of the first half and you're going to get it at the start of the second half, you can quickly hammer in two scores. Flip the entire script by 14 points, and all of a sudden you're laughing. So the Chiefs get the ball with a couple minutes left, down seven points, and it's like, all right, we can we can get back and we can score again. We can take the lead. They didn't get anything going. They had to punt it away. And Chiefs, then, right? They they usually it's like scary. Oh no, right. Holmes is going to get the ball. Couple minutes left, nothing. Yep. So they ended up having to punt the ball away. Philadelphia ends up getting uh, another score on the board, puts it at the half at ten. And all of a sudden, you're like, the Chiefs are kind of clinging on to this game. Now, it's Mahomes. 
he's down 10 points. We know that means nothing now. Oh, like, no. I did my hedge tweet. I was like, look, it's 10 points. It feels good for the Eagles right now. And I know Mahomes is hurt, but, you know, watch out. 10 points. I mean, you and I were watching old Super Bowls over the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah, know, we did that. On YouTube. And you don't have to go back that far before it's like, oh, this is a 10-point game. That's all she wrote. Nobody comes back from a 10-point deficit in the Super Bowl. It's crazy. Like, it had happened three times or something before, including that one where Denver were 10 up and then conceded 42 straight points and lost hard. Um, but four, like 10 points is nothing to Mahomes. It, it's meaningless. Trey Wingo had a tweet that Patrick Mahomes is now 14-10 and 10 when his team falls behind by 10 or more points. No other quarterback has a winning percentage more than 37% since 1950. Like, that's madness. It's absurd. Yeah, he, it's crazy. 10 points to him is literally irrelevant. It doesn't matter. And yet, so you're like, okay, this looks bad. The Chiefs are getting almost nothing done on offense. Philadelphia is winning. They're having their way on offense as well. They're 10 down. And Mahomes got tackled by his bad ankle and looks very hurt. I didn't think he looked that hurt, to be honest. Oh, he looked acutely hurt when it happened. I thought he looked way more hurt in the Jags game. I didn't think he was nearly as hurt. He looked when this happened. He it limps after bad. Almost every time he gets tackled. No, this was significant. He was definitely more that. hurt than most tackled, but this wasn't the Jags. This wasn't the Jags. Like the Jags won. I was. I thought it was fifty-fifty whether or not he was coming back in the game. There was zero doubt he was coming back in this one. The way he ran. When out. this happened, it was the first few hobbles where he's first of all face first into the turf in agony. Gets up, can't put weight on the leg. Then eventually sort of gets his foot under him. But even when he got to the sideline, he put like his head on his athletic trainer's shoulder. It did not look good. Now, again, it's I didn't have any doubt that he was coming back, but clearly that was a problem. And when you add that to being 10 points down and, you know, generally not looking good, like it didn't look great. But Mahomes has made too many miracles happen for you to say, well, that's it. It's gone. Or at least most people. I noticed when I tweeted it, there were many Twitter people saying, no, not this time. It's over. Not this time. Yeah. yeah. You never, never say that. Um, there was another There was another moment. So on the way to the the Eagles, get they get a 21 to 14. And then you mentioned they stop the Chiefs. When the Chiefs are going for their, you know, yep. end of the half drive, Eagles come back, they kick a field goal. Um, before even that, I think it was the drive where they got up twenty-one to fourteen. The Eagles playing the game with legit four-down territory, right? Like at midfield, they're like legit four-down territory. And again, I want to give a ton of credit to Greg Olson on the call. You didn't get to hear Olson, but he can't is, give him any credit. He's laying all of this stuff out, and when Pacheco at the end of the game broke free and the Eagles were trying to let him score, Olsen's yelling, get down, get down, get down. I mean, he's... McKinnon, wasn't it? Was it McKinnon? Yeah, McKinnon, sorry. McKinnon breaks three, breaks free, and Olsen's yelling, get down, get down, get down. He did a great job of laying out scenarios and all that stuff. You know, he pointed out, when you see the run on third and seven, Eagles get two yards, now it's fourth and five, they know they're going for it on fourth down. It's not just, hey, we we failed on third down, it's fourth and three, let's go for it. Like, they know, they're making calls to go for it and, and just use up all four downs. And they go for it on fourth and five at midfield, and Jalen Hurts, they just run a QB draw, which, again, is, that's not a common call. Man. But it shows, like, the ability. When you have the when you have a rushing quarterback, other stuff doesn't have to be perfect, right? Like, to run a good QB draw, like, you need, like, one or two blocks in a mobile quarterback, and you'll, and you'll get it. And they do that on fourth and five. So the Eagles do this great job of all these edges, playing aggressive. That led to a touchdown. 
I mean, those are the types of things the talking heads on the big channels are like, oh, fireball fence, you went for it at midfield. Those are literally the reasons why the Eagles had a chance to win this. So as much as it felt like maybe the Eagles blew it, they needed all of these things to go right, right? The double coverage throws to A.J. Brown, the fourth down decisions, all of that stuff to go right. Yeah, they handed the Chiefs seven points, but the aggressiveness was important for them. Yeah, I mean, both of these head coaches, I think, have been amongst the best in the NFL this season at adding to their team's chances of winning, whether it's the pregame kind of work with the, the, the initial 15-play script or play calls, fourth down decisions, all this kind of stuff within games. They are both doing an incredible job, and I think both had pretty good games in this. But the, the game completely started to flip on its head in the second half when – the, the Chiefs were able to go down with that first drive after halftime, look like a different offense. Like that functioned. It was able to work. They started causing um, the Eagles defense all kinds of issues with misdirection. They, it, it looked like the first drive, right? The, the first drive of the first half where everything looked good for both sides. Philadelphia, or the Chiefs go down, score, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this – this 10-point deficit that looked like it was about to be a problem for Kansas City. Now we're talking about a three-point game, and the Chiefs' offense is back in business. Um, and then the other thing that really sw- swung the game was Kadarius Tony's punt return. The punt return, yeah. So it's um, it was 24-14 at the half. You mentioned the Chiefs, their first drive. They go down and score. So 24-21 Eagles. The next uh, scoring was the Eagles kicking the field goal. That was after all of the... Um, saving a timeout for the delay of game and the challenge by Andy Reid and all that stuff. So it's 27-21 Eagles, and the Chiefs drive down once again. Um, and, you know, they they did a really good job. Like, there was a point in this game where the Eagles were something like 9 for 14 on third down, 2 for 2 on fourth down, right? So they're getting all of these conversion downs. And the Chiefs hadn't even converted a third down, which is usually their thing, right? They'll be... Like, they'll just kind of like, you know, whatever, sleepwalk through first and second down sometimes, and that's like third and 14, Mahomes and Kelsey bail us out. It was different in this game. They were on schedule, on schedule, on schedule, the Chiefs. Um, so there was a point in this game where they were in it and hadn't even converted a third down, the Chiefs. Like, they had, they just, they ran the ball well when they wanted to. The short passing game against the the Eagles soft coverage. We haven't mentioned, like, the, the overall theme of the Eagles pass rush, right, of just not really... When they did create pressure, Mahomes did some of his Houdini acts, and then other times they just were unable to get pressure. So the the Chiefs' short passing offense in this one, very efficient combined with that running game, that's how they were moving the ball. What kind of replays did you get of that punt return? I just saw a bunch of people falling over all over the place. So We didn't even talk about the fields, too, where everybody was We'll get to that, yeah, yeah. But the punt, so I was in the end zone looking at the punt. So the punt was was... Kicked away short, from me. It was low, right? That was a big part of so it. So it looked like it was a design. So, you know, there's been all these articles about, like, Sam Cooke, who invented this, like, you know, golf uh, bag of trick punts, right? To fake the return man going one way and then twist his body and kick it in a different direction and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, oh, this is amazing because now it's so hard to return these because the ball's going somewhere different. And it's just this extra layer of stuff. This felt like the Eagles intentionally got too cute with that stuff because it looked by design that it was all set up to punt left, but then the punter sort of deliberately kicked this kind of slice screwball 
off to the right, and then they sh- they shifted a bunch of uh, cover guys out to that way to bottle it up, and there's nowhere to go because all the blockers have gone somewhere else. Uh, only they did that. The punt wasn't great because it was a sort of weird trick shot type of deal, and then all of those guys that ran over to cover Tony forgot that it's Kadarius Tony and essentially lost contained to the inside. And then as soon as he cut back across the field, it's like, oh, all the blockers that set up for this side are now here, and there's like a giant lane down that entire side of the field. Man. I didn't, yeah, I didn't catch all that. That's good. That's good. Look at you bringing some insight from the uh, the press box well, yeah. where I wouldn't fit. But like it, it, it's it felt like sort of the downside of getting too cute with that stuff. Like at some point, just stick to the sort of the meat and two veg of like belt it as far as you can, as close to the sideline as you can, and cover that like, I, so don't I, complicate it that much i usually say when you're the chiefs in particular a team that has a uh, patrick mahomes and effective offense and all that stuff they never want to be too cute on special teams like if they never have a good special teams play the entire season they'll still score a lot of points they'll still be okay yeah. they're still the best team in the nfl um the eagles are close though right they're close to this too like you never want to obviously hand the Chiefs anything, but handing them a touchdown on a, on a fumble and handing them essentially on the punt return, those were big, right? Especially when the Chiefs were essentially, I know people are going to say, hey, the Chiefs didn't, they scored on every second half possession. That's true. The second, this one was a 10, five yard drive because of the Kadarius Tony right. uh, return. Backing up for one second too, the touchdown that put the Chiefs ahead initially, that was the misdirection Tony play. Um, that one, do you remember, was that, were they faking the short motion, or did they fake the jet sweep? Because the second one was to Sky Moore was a fake jet sweep motion. I can't remember if the first one for Tony was jet sweep or if it was just like the normal short motion when there's a receiver, you're always motion him into a stack that happens all the time, and then you and then they, they revert it out into the flat and there was a miscommunication. I think that's what it was, right? I mean, one thing that was clear throughout the game is that the Kansas City offense was causing all kinds of problems for Philadelphia's defense with misdirection, whether it's um, the plays you're talking about, whether it's simple concepts that were causing issues of play action. TJ Edwards was getting absolutely lost over the middle a couple of times in the first half, like couldn't keep hold of Travis Kelsey. Like they were just, they were basically behind the eight ball almost the entire game. Um, and there were so many coverage busts. And obviously there was one late as well on the other side of the ball where uh, the Kansas City defense lost track of Devontae Smith. But, like, I, I don't know if that's – I don't know who gets credit for that. Like, if that's an Andy Reid thing, um, it's always difficult to tell how much credit Andy Reid should get, how much Eric Bieniemy should get, like where where the genius of this entire offense lies. But the collective – really caused problems for Philadelphia's defense. They had a whole bunch of plays where they just straight up busted it, dropped coverage, all those kinds of things. And that's a big reason, you know, Kansas City was able to score as much as they did. Yeah, so, um, you know, our guy, Eric Eager, rest in peace, he was he said Andy Reid would call out, would, would bring out the good stuff yeah. in this game. And he absolutely did. That, they so also the, brought out the merry-go-round thing that didn't work. Merry-go-round play did not work. But to me, it was the other stuff, right? Like the... Um, one of the plays on the on one of those big drives was just a, a fake. It was a, either a fake bubble or a fake swing wheel route. Like that's one of those plays for teams that throw the ball short as often as the Chiefs do. You should run that once a game. Like you should always just have that in the back, right? We're going short, 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 short. Yeah. 
we're going to fake short, and we're, it's a free pass to Juju up the up the sideline, right? It's a free open throw. That should they broke out the good stuff, right? In the second half, the 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 second touchdown, the one to Sky Moore, as I do believe the first one was just short motion, right? It's this thing. This is what makes the play call so special. It is this thing that you see as a defender over and over and over again, right? You see this every team runs it. You just you motion a guy from wide and into a stack. And then you usually run behind the stack, and it's like, oh, what are they going to do? You get a two-way go. And then they sprinted back out to the flat. Eagles, I mean, they could have communicated better. Right. It looked like they had never seen anything like this, though. <laughs> but the other thing about the – so the, the Chiefs offense, because they deploy so many elements of misdirection within each individual play, it's almost like you can add – if you sort of – if you bring out a traditional, like, quote-unquote trick play, like, you know, the, the halfback passes, right? Yeah. So it's kind of where it's a sort of simple run play and then everyone bites on it. The running back pulls up and tosses it over everybody's head. I've always kind of, you always kind of wonder to yourself, like, why don't teams run one of those once or twice a game? They always work, right? But they don't. And that's why they don't. Yeah. But I suspect those plays are an awful lot more likely to work in an offense like Kansas City's when there's a couple of elements of misdirection before you even get to what they're running in the first place. So the second a defense actually thinks they diagnose what it is you're running, they're going to bite the crap out of that. And if you have something else in the back, that's why you every now and again you see those crazy um, screenplays they run where there's like three elements of trickery in there and a fake. And it's the fake right at the end that screws everybody because they thought they'd figured it all out. Like they'd waded through the trickery and the misdirection. There's the ball. Jump on it. And then, oh, crap. They had one more thing at the end of it. And that's the thing we didn't account for. That I think those plays are so much more effective for Kansas City than anybody else because of that. The, the other element too, like when you watch the Chiefs script, there are there's always like Travis Kelsey's at, like if there's 15 plays in the script, Travis Kelsey's in 15 different spots, right? And they're they always you always say coaches are gathering information. They're saying, okay, how are you going to handle Kelsey, right? First of all, and then there's always a screen pass, right? So if the big story is the Eagles pass rush, right, and they're just like, okay, we're going to get after Mahomes, we're going to there's always that the Chiefs' offensive line is so good at softening their rush, letting the pass rushers get there, and then it's like, oh shoot, turn around. There's a there's a screen pass behind you. It's the storytelling of it, right? It's as soon as the defense knows what's coming, they're given an answer to it. That's how Peyton Manning Peyton Manning used to do that, but he would do that like at the line of scrimmage, right? Yeah. You're showing me this. Well, I'm going to give you that because it's going to be open. It's almost like the Chiefs and the play calling. It's always telling the story. Where as soon as you start focusing on one thing, we're going to give you something else. I got. They just show. We've got the TV on in the background here. They uh, they just showed that punt return again. Oh, you're looking um, at the punt return because I'm looking at the jet the, the jet sweep fake jet sweeps. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I first of all, Jack Stoll backup tight end and the Kobe Dean deserve a lot of credit for saving that as a touchdown. Now, okay, it didn't matter because they scored pretty, but that almost that would have scored had those two guys not managed to cut that off in front and bring him down. The other thing, the the a lot of players screwed that up with the blowing contain. The, the most egregious one, however, was my guy T.J. Edwards again, who did not have himself a good day. Yeah, that poor T.J. made a bunch of bad plays in this game. That was one of those plays where you texted me before I saw the play, and you were like, "T.J. Edwards is having a rough time of it." So I'm like, "All right, what happened now?" Yeah, that was like play action, and you see Edwards like take one step, and then boom, he falls right over. Um, which might bring us to a, a great time to be like, "Why was the playing surface so bad?" Yes, what the hell was going on? So the the NFL, so I've heard a lot of theories on this. I think the best one was 
Uh, Booger. Boog? Booger. Booger may have had the best tweet about this. What did Boog say? Basically, because you're in a dry desert that does get, like, the, you have to get the condensation at night and all that stuff. And yeah. it just, it ends up making it slick. And they didn't anticipate that properly. They're but, not into, but like, I don't know, like they, they but here's the thing. They so, spent like a million dollars or whatever for this. It's new grass, yes. right? It's new grass that they uh-huh. wheel in. And that's But the there's thing. something about how they're maintaining it that is just not right. So we've had this entire week of like, of rehashing a story that, that it's been as old as the stadium, however old the stadium is. Like, did you know they grow this grass outside? They can wheel the whole thing out? It's like a tray. It just wheels out the end. They bake it in the sun. They wheel it back in. It's a modern miracle. It's amazing, right? Like this was new. Like this is one of the features of the stadium. When did they build the stadium? It's been decades. We know this. But anyway, that's been a big thing this week. So I don't understand how this grass was grown outside, wheeled back in, and then was this wet. Like, did they water it before kickoff? What the hell? They, they, they're not ready for the condensation. What comes condensation? At night. I don't know. When don't did know. they wheel it into the Where's stadium Booger? again? Booger's got some answers here. See, that's the question. Some people are blaming all the paint, but it's like the whole no. thing's not painted. Stop. No. The, the, I need to know when it got wheeled back inside the stadium from outside. Because I can buy the condensation, but unless they wheeled it back in at like 6 a.m., surely it dried off when the sun came I'll up. quote Booger. You let me know if this desert, warm during the day, cools down rapidly, creating moisture on the field, especially with the roof open. Same problem in Las Vegas with grass outside, inside. So it's not so much when they when it's, but it's not before it's wheeled in. It's the fact that it's after. But it's not like today was sixties. Today again, it got hot. Did it get hot? Yeah. So he's claiming because it's warm during the day, it gets cool at night. How cool is it? I mean, I was I was stuck in in my hotel room today, so right. I don't know how cool is it out there at night. I mean, you could be, it's been outside. It got pretty cold at night. I think that I part's legit. I haven't been outside since before the game. I think that part's legit. What I'm not buying is that the 70-degree heat and the desert sun over the course of the day did not dry it up. It created the moisture on the field. But, like, I don't – this happens all the time. All of the – my favorite thing is when something happens and, like, all the college football reporters that I follow start chiming in. And they all said, like, this is how the Fiesta Bowl is. This is how the Fiesta – like, this is a consistent theme with this stadium. And that's bad. Yeah. The other thing is too, like I know the players are always asking for like lose the turf fields yes. because they think there's more injuries. Right. And I I don't even know if the the data might not even exactly back that up, but they truly believe that there's more injuries yeah, this is your on the turf play. field rather than the grass. But the grass field, and I tweeted out that this makes like a worse product. And I, I know for fans, a thirty eight to thirty five game is a good product, right? There's more points. Yeah. But when players are falling all over the place, that's bad. The play where Mahomes got hurt, Javon Hargrave rushes, he slips immediately off the snap and just falls over. And he didn't even get up for the rest of the play. So the fact that Mahomes, like the Eagles got pressure on Mahomes on that play with a three-man rush when they meant to have four, but Hargrave just was just like beached whale on the ground because he slipped and the lineman just sat on him and Mahomes still got pressured and ends up getting hurt at the end of the play. That's what's ridiculous. Yeah. Right? That's why was Harrison Butker gonna, you know, miss the 30 yarder because he's gonna slip. It's it's just stupid. I'm just I'm not hundred percent sure. So when you watch soccer, right? They water those fields before the game. Like a lot. They have yeah. like a whole sprinkler system system set up. So a soccer field, like a Premier League game. Baseball too. That field is soaking wet. 
right? Yeah. So the ball, when it hits the turf, actually accelerates. It, like, kicks up speed. It's weird. You don't see guys slipping all over the place. So, though. like, when you play at, like, an idiot level, just a bunch of guys at a park, obviously nobody's watering that field, right? So you're used to the ball actually slowing down when it hits the ground. And if you then go and play on, like, a proper surface where they water it, and it accelerates when it hits the ground, it messes with your mind because it's like a, it completely changes physics. You have to try and recalculate that on the fly. It's very difficult to do. But my point being, soccer players, other than when they deliberately slide, do not just like randomly ass fall over constantly the way the NFL guys were. Why? Because they don't play in the desert where it's warm but, during the day no, no, and no, it gets cool no. at night. Because what you're saying is that that achieves the same thing, which is making the pitch slick. It's different levels of slick. I don't, I don't really know. I'm just curious as to why this is like such a problem for NFL players. The Mexico games. Soccer Remember? players can simply run on the you know field. Doesn't London does, doesn't hasn't London's field had that a little bit? Their fields. What? Wet? I mean, London is wet. Players uh, falling all over the place. Well, their tend like theirs tends to be more. It cuts up like it just gets ripped to pieces. The Eagles even changed cleats. They said most of the Eagles yeah. Well, that's my point. At the half, the uh, the Chiefs did not. That's my point. Is is I believe this is a an, a surmountable problem. It's fascinating to me because I know there are people around the league. There are coaches in the league. Maybe even for one of these two teams, there are coaches who not their entire job, but a big part of their job is all like that is knowing the surface, um, actually uh, coaching the players on what type of surface it is. Studying the refs and you know, how they're going to throw flags and all that stuff. That I mean, we actually sell products to teams that track you know, coaching flags and all that stuff, right? But there are also coaches who part of their job is to study the surface and to know which cleats to use and, and, and all that stuff. Um, and then you have a game like this where guys are falling all over the place, even with that research that's being done. Is it me or is real Andy Reid starting to look more like fake Andy Reid? I, I do feel like fake Andy Reid... Looks more like is is the real Andy Reid, right? But fake I don't is feel the real one. It doesn't feel to me like fake Andy Reid actually looks an awful lot like old like Andy Reid used to. It's like real Andy Reid is somehow like transitioning into fake Andy Reid. It's possible in it's a strange possible. way. Where are we in this game here? Pretty much the end of it, right? Um, I mean, Kansas City came back. Kansas they City scored. gets up eight. Um, so, by the way, really quick, the second, the 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 Sky Moore touchdown, yeah. another genius play call, right? So they fake, they get they get the stack look, they fake the jet sweep. Think about what this is doing for a defender. Again, the defender sees this every single week, multiple times, and if he's in man coverage, it is so tough. You have to sprint as hard as you can to stay with the jet sweep guy. And then Sky Moore just puts on the brakes and goes back the other way. But this, so at this, point, again. at this point, it felt like such a great game because Mahomes has done it again. They've erased the 10-point deficit. Now they're cooking. Their offense is flying. They're dominating the Eagles' defense. They're up 35-27. You're like, ah, oh, well, this game's just dead. Like, it's, it's over. Like, felt that, like that, yeah. That was it. The comeback is done. And then Philadelphia answers. So and part of that answer is a bad busted coverage where Devontae Smith gets behind the defense. But yeah, yeah. but they were driving anyway. Yeah, they you were. know, and they got they got up to sort of midfield or whatever it was, and then they had that coverage bust, which felt like it could have scored. Um and he, he was up, just making sure he caught it. Right. Think. Yeah. And ends up, you know, being out just at the two two yard line. They score the, the next play. They go for two points. They get that in as well. Great run by Hertz, by the way, because they went QB sneak um for the touchdown. They go QB sweep yep. on the conversion, 
and there was a chance that Hertz was tackled short. He ran with Big some chance. power yeah. there. I mean, he took, he's running, you run lateral, you kind of look for your opening, you put your foot in the ground. It's like the classic old one-cut run. Yeah. When he made that cut, like two or three guys had a shot at him, and he he managed to get it over. I mean, Jalen Hurts made some big plays, particularly on the ground in this game. Um, but all of a sudden, like, boom, answer again. It's like, you know, we all went out to watch the uh, the fights, the UFC. We did, yeah. Last night. More controversy, but uh, but like, what an entertaining yeah main event. But this kind of, it reminded me a lot of that. You've got champion versus champion, you know. Both. Like Hogan Warrior. Yeah. So you've got, what is he, the featherweight champion going up to face the lightweight champion. Right. And this is NFC, AFC. But the same thing. Like, it was back and forth in, in both those things. And every time you think one guy's got it locked up, the other guy comes up with it with a counterpunch and, and hits back. And this was like that. Like, it just kept coming back. The Eagles end up tying it up. And then we get down to the final minutes. And then, like, unfortunately, the clock just becomes an issue. Yeah. That's what it was. Somebody yeah, I was impressed by the Eagles coming back to tie it at 35. Same. Somebody suggested on Twitter, uh, I liked this idea, that, so obviously we get to this point, the clock now becomes an issue, and in these games where it's offenses are dominating, eventually the clock becomes a problem, and it's simply who has the ball at the end that determines who's going to win. Um, so the Eagles, or the, the Chiefs end up chewing up a whole bunch of clock, and then we get the, the penalty, and then we get the, oh, we're going to try and let them score. Actually, I'm not even going to take your score. I'm going to drop at the two and chew up all the clock, and you got no time left. Somebody suggested that there should be a new rule in the NFL where a team can at any time simply concede a touchdown and get the ball back, like just as an automatic thing, right? Like, boom, like a timeout. Instead of taking a timeout, you, like, you agree we put seven points on the board for you, but we get the ball right now. So rather than this whole thing where you're like, we're trying to give them the touchdown, but they won't take it, and we just you're not up. allowed to concede the touchdown. No, it's defense? essentially instead of being held hostage, where one team can just squeeze out the clock until you bleed dry, you can just say, nope, the clock stops right now. We give you seven points, oh, but we get I the see. ball right now. I see. So you can essentially get the ball back at any time, and it costs you seven points. I like that as an idea. I mean, if we're talking, I mean, if we're talking maximum entertainment value, yes, I do. I kind of like that. As but it doesn't. It fixes because the Eagles tried to let McKinnon score. He did the right thing, right. going down in bounds. But because here's the less thing. exciting finish. Because yeah, because here's the thing. Like in everyone wants to see the team with the ball doing something positive and trying to score points and answering essentially the other team, right? But eventually, when it's, when it's a game like this where offense is dominating and defense is struggling, the offense then just changes their goal from scoring points to eating up as much clock as possible. And that's not fun anymore. Like, simply chewing game clock is a crappy and, thing to happen. you're just rooting for fun or Nobody the funniest wants to see it. You're well, rooting for fun or the funniest thing. If we're going down this route, which the NFL has been for years, of essentially trying to create arena league football where the games end 63-65, and it's simply whoever has the most possessions wins the game. If that's what we're doing here, then let's do it the whole way. Let's say, all right, you, can't, you can no longer eat the clock. We're going to take that option away from you by allowing the opposition to essentially get the ball back at any time by simply putting seven points on the board for your team. I think that's a good solution. All right, well, it's probably not going to happen, but I do like it as a concept. I think that's cool. Um, let's talk, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, so the very end of the game too. So the Chiefs kicked that field goal, 
There's eight seconds left. The Eagles get the ball on the kickoff. They go down. There's one last play. I thought the Eagles were the best rugby team in the world. They're only good in mall situations, apparently. I mean, they're, they're very good at those Very situations. good at the mall. Is that how I would phrase that? Very good at They have at a very mall. good mall. They have a good mall. Good mall in Philadelphia. What they don't have is a good lateral game, and apparently they tried to hide it by not even using it. The last play was from, what, 35? Last what? play from the 36-yard line of Philadelphia. Yeah. And the Eagles just line up and run a Hail Mary, and Jalen Hurts throws it 20 yards short, which is the expected outcome for every NFL quarterback. From the 35? From the 36-yard line. What's that in the air? I mean, it's 65 yards from the line, 64 yards from the line of scrimmage, which you don't throw the ball from normally. Yeah, though he might have gotten close given the rush that they had and the amount of time he had to step up into it. Maybe, but most guys don't throw the ball that far. I mean, it wasn't even close, though. It also, like, they had time. I mean, not time. What do they have? Eight they, seconds they on the no clock time. or something? Well, no, because they took, there was time with the, it was probably six, six seconds. Six, six seconds. By then? Right. Which is. They had time for, like, a quick out. Right. At least something to not just go, well, let's just bounce around here for five minutes and then throw something that has no shot of getting into the end zone. I really thought, and um, I'm a rugby expert even further now after watching we Ireland France yesterday morning. It was great. Um, there were some good uh, offlets and things like that. Some what now? What were they called? Offloads? Offlets. They, um, I thought that the Eagles, as forward-thinking as they were, were going to pull out the best rugby play the best lateral play in NFL history. Yeah. And instead, they threw a 20-yard short Hail Mary. They did. Didn't matter. I mean, the game was over at that point. But I just I thought we'd see something a little bit different. Well, I mean, look, the the various end of the – what are they what – is, what is Yeah, they don't call them that. What does Chris Berman call it? The crazy, crazy woo-woo play or whoop. something? No, oh, they just yells, whoop. Yeah. But the thing that, that teams break out at the end of the game that has no chance of working – it has a slightly better chance of working than an 80-yard Hail Mary. Yeah, it's at least worked once right. in NFL history. So you'd think there could be something dialed up better than that. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I mean, at the not. point where he decided to throw that, he honestly had a better chance of scoring by running it. Like, if he just took off and decided to try and beat six guys on his own, he had a better shot of scoring. He had scoring. a better shot running it and maybe starting his own laterals. I mean, simply just running it. We just have to morph. Like, Dallas had the right idea, which was like, don't have linemen out there. Okay, that's a good start. Let's put the skill position players. Let's put the most athletic players out there. Good start. (laughs) Sort of. Then they they ran a stick route, right? The Eagles didn't do anything. They just ran a Hail Mary. But there there was better options there. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, well, there were yes, there were better options on the basis that the option they actually took had literally a 0% chance of working. None. We do have breaking news coming out of the Super Bowl. Do we? Super Bowl champion Chad Henney has announced his retirement after 15 years in the NFL. Did he just leave the gloves in the field like they do when they retire from fighting? You know, just leave them in the middle? And he the, the left confetti? the clipboard right on the sideline. Left the clipboard. Left the clipboard. In the confetti. Yes. In the middle of the field. Chad Henney has line. said, this is my last, my last time hauling this thing around. Good for him. I've left here with my health. Uh-huh. I haven't had to start a game in about 12 years. Yep. This great. is the dream. It was a critical point in Tyler's the game. Tyler's losing it over here. I almost lost it a couple weeks ago when they announced Chad Henney as a 15-year veteran. Yeah. But also... I remember when the kid was in high school. To be... To be... To... In Chad Henney's favor, a legitimately instrumental part of them getting this far. 
Like he came in, executed a drive, which itself is crazy. Chad Henney has had a significant hand in both Chiefs championships. In the dynasty. Yes. Chad Henney finished the divisional round game against the Browns. Yeah. And led a 98-yard touch. Sorry, sorry. Sorry about the Browns. Led a 98-yard touchdown drive. This year. Right here. In these playoffs. Good for Chad Henney. Um, Travis is obviously now the favored son in the Kelsey household. Oh, for sure. He wins that. But a good mom will console you know she did it was on it was there was footage of it of course there was, she was giving him hugs and all that all kind these. of stuff yeah. yeah um does jason retire now i don't know he's only two years older than travis yeah which is also crazy with a few more years in the league right mm-hmm. um i don't know jason still playing at a really high level tough way to go do you think that travis's uh unusually successful youthful you know appearance like so Travis Kelsey's 10 months younger than Gronk and Gronk has been retired twice including for over a year now won WWE titles the whole thing right so I'm wondering and yet uh, Travis Kelsey appears to be basically playing at the peak of his powers showing no sign whatsoever of slowing down do you think that's because of how successfully he's able to just act way younger than his age I think there's something to that yeah like he's going out there he cuts promos. Like if you I listen, think he's trying to follow the Gronk path, though. He's cutting promos. So and what stuff did you say? Now. They're two years older, Jason. Yeah, they talk dramatically differently. Like yeah, if you true. listen to their podcast, it's true. They don't talk like they're from the same generation, which leads me to suspect that Travis's pursuit of the younger vernacular is somehow inspiring a, a youthful endurance in the yeah. league. Maybe it's just hanging out with the younger guys. Yeah, yeah. old linemen tend to, you know, <laughs> old linemen are more mature. Anyway, yeah. and Travis is you know hanging out with the youngsters and all that stuff. Maybe. Right, that could be it. It's working for him. How was uh, how was Rihanna in the uh, in the stadium? I mean, it was it was solid. So did I, you get? She announced that she's pregnant, second child. Uh, your, yeah, yeah. Your thoughts? Well, she kind of revealed it. She kind of revealed the baby bump right. during the performance. So the first so part of the performance, I was busy throwing elbows to get to the bathroom. Great. Um, it's really great. When I got to the bathroom. There was quite a large queue coming out of it. And then as the queue was snaking its way into the, the bathroom and towards the, what do you call them, the urinals? As opposed yeah, yeah. to urinals. So yes. you go round the back past this wall where all the urinals are, right? And then the people that have finished come back out to wash their hands and out to the door. Some guy, and you know, because you limited amount of time, right? However much halftime is, plus Rihanna, plus you got to get food, right? There's a lot yeah. of things to juggle. I would think most people would take the order of we go to the bathroom, we get food, we try and catch Rihanna, right? That, that's the sequence. There's always a brave individual who goes a different route. So this guy cr- came back from behind the wall with this tray that included like a fully dressed hot dog, a like a, a thing of fries, a drink and stuff, which he had to have balanced on the top of this urinal because like there was nowhere else to put it. I like where this is going. And yeah. that that's not a pleasant smelling place. No. And from what I from the, the limited scientific understanding I have of smells, that's particles in the air. Yes. Which are now sitting on this man's hot dog as he's about to go out and enjoy Rihanna. I thought you were going to tell me they all fell. But yeah, that's a, no. it's a questionable decision. Though. I'm simply, forget 
there was no like disaster other than the fact that he then ate this shit. Poop dog. Yes. <laughs> Guy ate the poop dog. But I, he got he got to see it's a once in a lifetime. Like, wouldn't you there are, make that sacrifice to see Rihanna live? There are hundreds of people's piss particles in the air attaching themselves to this hot dog that that guy then shoveled into his face i mean tough decisions <laughs> have to be made when you're in a super bowl crowd but that's just not the right call i love that you caught this see this is why you justified the credential i appreciate you justifying the credential because your it's presence just... there helped us unpack the punt return play and the <laughs> urinal hot dog that's just it's there, look, there's a lot of situations where mul- multiple choices. There's poop particles in the air too, probably around the bathroom, right. but that's all in his dog as well. Multiple multiple choices can be made, right? It's a multiple choice world we live in, and sometimes you're going to go in a different route than other people. But there are some times where the decision you make is just objectively wrong, and when you end up with the poop dog, that's one of them. That's so gross. It just it just is. Can we get this for social media? You can't can do that. For- you can't. Take the dog into the store. No, can't do it. You got to get the food after. Oh, it's a terrible, terrible decision. It really is. But he caught the performance. Yeah, he did. He caught the performance. He did catch the board. So anyway, after I'd thrown the elbows and taken a piss and then made it back to the thing, I caught the back end of the Rihanna show. All right, great. Hmm. That's good. Was she, it's difficult to tell from the distance, right? Was she like clipped into this thing? Or I, believe so. I believe so. Cli- I believe like, they were all clipped in. Because yes. I got to say, Having seen them try and like organize crowd control at a stadium, I would I would not trust that thing's ability to stay level fifty feet in the air, however high up she was. I was getting nervous just watching them. I didn't want to watch, but they were clipped in, I believe. Okay, they were clipped in. All right, just imagine your balance. You know, trying to balance on that. I just forget. I mean, I would I would have enough confidence in my own balance. What I wouldn't have confidence in is like whatever system is. Oh, they were flying around and everything. But whatever system is like raising all four corners of this thing consistently functioning and not like one corner suddenly lurches that way. That would be my concern. Yeah. That's understood. I have supreme confidence in my own balance. They made it though. They survived. So people liked the performance. I don't know. I was was in and out. I was doing some stuff. Um, (laughs) A lot of work. Catching up with some work. That's back at the hotel. Hitting some more wings. Yeah. yeah. There's um there's buffalo wing sauce all over our room, by the way. There was a little shock spill. Me in the a little spill, but uh yeah. look, we're moving out tomorrow. We've been here a week. We're moving out Thank God. tomorrow. Yeah. Um let's talk, let's wrap it up with this. High level themes coming out of this. Because you're you got Patrick Mahomes. Um we always talk about playoffs and legacy and all that stuff. Mahomes get Mahomes gets his second ring. He's been a starter for five years. Two Super Bowl rings, two MVPs, first MVP to win the Super Bowl since 1999. Breaks a lot of curses. Breaks a lot of stuff in there. Um, I think there's an Eagles theme coming out of this as well, but let's talk Mahomes, legacy stuff and everything. Um, We can also have a discussion with Patrick Mahomes without being like, we just saw this thing. He's Tom Brady. He's better than Tom Brady now, because I don't think that's the case. But boy, what an unbelievable start to his career. I mean, I think, yeah, I think Mahomes is incredible. I think he is the best player in the NFL. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And the thing, the only thing separating him from the greatest of all time conversation, which includes Brady, which I think probably does include other quarterbacks as well, when you adjust for era, etc., is longevity. I mean, the thing that makes Brady Brady is not what he did for a five-year stretch it's that he did it for 23 years and kept reinventing himself and coming back and winning more rings and and doing 
like setting more records and just kept doing it over and over and over again. And, you know, Peyton Manning did it, albeit fewer times, but reinvented himself. Like, that's the difference, right? If you hear all the time, like, oh, if player X walked away today, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And it's the sort of longer those guys end up playing, inevitably, the more it becomes pretty clear that that's simply not true almost all the time. Like, people were saying that about Randy Moss after his first six years in the NFL, but Randy Moss's first six years in the NFL looked a lot like Torrey Holt's first six years in the NFL. But Torrey Holt then basically stopped having production and now can't get in the Hall of Fame. But he was less flashy than Randy Moss. Right. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So like the but fact Mahomes that... Mahomes would go... He, he would go to the Hall of Fame right now. Probably. But my point being, we say that about a lot of people. And then it doesn't happen if they stop playing right now. So Mahomes needs to keep going for another 10 freaking years to, to put himself in that kind of conversation. But right now... Like, this is as impressive a start to a career that anybody has ever had. Yeah, I think you, if we're talking all-time stuff, I think you put him in the Peyton Manning type of discussion, right? Like, Peyton had that extended run of excellence. I think Mahomes is is right there in that type of I mean, type, wh- that type of ballpark. Mahomes is essentially done, if you distilled the best five years of Aaron Rodgers' career, that's basically Mahomes right now. And I, and, and I mean that stylistically as well. Like, he's a different, he's closer to Aaron Rodgers' in terms of narrative than he is any of these other guys, but he's having the championship success as well. So if right. you shoehorned the best five years that Rodgers can put together it is into, true. into the first five years of his career, we're talking about Mahomes. Rodgers' peaks are pretty special, but there's definitely some inconsistency in there. There were injuries as well. Right. Um, Mahomes has been injured a couple times, but he has bounced back at an incredible rate. Both right. both championship like, years, in, in fact. He's like Aaron Rodgers, except if you flipped all the areas where Rodgers ends up like not winning, you know, con- compared to other people. Like in this situation, Rodgers actually got quite a crappy win record. That's where Mahomes is. If you flipped is, that yeah. with like the other right. end of the extreme, like Mahomes, you know, is 14 and 10 when he's 10 points down, as opposed to like 20% where that, Rodgers is. That's where Mahomes is closer to Brady, I think, when you're, when you're down, fourth quarter comebacks, like yeah. all of that stuff where Brady has been head and shoulders above all the other quarterbacks, plus all the clutch moments in the playoffs. Mahomes does that kind of stuff, right? Um, I'll also say too, because I, he finished the, the stat line doesn't look crazy 21 of 27 for Mahomes but you have a key 26 yard run in there it's the ankle injury it's like a lot of the narrative stuff too that's true like he is tough and playing through injury um, not getting sacked one time against this Eagles team a couple times having to get out of you know tough situations um, I think he was handed two t- I called those Andy Reid touchdowns the two wide open ones I think those help mm-hmm. the stat line if you're just looking at passer rating but overall Mahomes played a really good game Picked up yards with his legs and, again, was very good when they needed him. And they just he just kept leading touchdown drives at the end. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked fantastic. I will say there's a lot of – we talked before the Super Bowl again about, you know, the narrative all week on Radio Row had been the Eagles have the best roster. They're way better across the board. They're stronger than the Chiefs. And I, we, I thought – I think both of us thought that was a little bit overdone. And I think we saw in a couple of areas where that was true. As much as the Eagles have the best offensive line in the NFL, I think we saw like Kansas City's is no slouch either. The Chiefs' offensive line, I thought, had a really good game, um, particularly the tackles, where I was highlighting that as a possible area of concern. Like those two tackles trying to block those speed edge rushers for the Eagles, they both held up really well. Um, wow. Not only that, but a lot of the times where the Eagles' D line did get pressure, 
they did it by doing weird things. Like they moved the edge rushers inside. They were running a couple of stunts here and there and they didn't do much of it. But when they did, like that was actually creating the pressure. So when they simply lined up and played ball, generally the offensive line did really well. And I, again, a big part of that is all the misdirection and stuff where they kind of take it out of their hands. Um, the other big story that I've talked about the last two years where I was completely wrong, the Chiefs investing in the offensive line yeah. and coming out of the 2020 Super Bowl and saying, never again, never again will Patrick Mahomes have a bad offensive line in a big game. Not that you can always control that. There were injuries at play back in 2020. But the Chiefs, I thought, maybe overreacted to that game. But they made sure. They went and paid Joe Tooney. They're pay- they traded for Orlando Brown and paid him. The franchise tag, we'll see what happens in free agency. They drafted well with Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. Andrew Wiley held up really well today uh, with Hassan Reddick on the other side. The offensive line became one of the best in the NFL. And they they did that and decided to move on from Tyreek Hill and build the rest of the roster rather than focus on the one big playmaker. And I think because they have they have the cheat code, they have multiple cheat codes. They have Patrick Mahomes, and they've got the play calling. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, wherever the wherever you want to spread the credit, those two got those two entities basically. Mahomes in the play calling with the great offensive line. They said, okay, that's going to be enough. That we don't need Tyree Kill. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year for the Chiefs, and they won it. Hmm. And you know they're going to look stronger on paper next year, I believe. I yeah, they're going to look probably. stronger on paper. Right. I mean, the moves they made absolutely worked. Um. It's a little bit much, though. Like, Travis Kelsey's been given a lot of, like, nobody believed in us, you know, the last couple of games. It's like, yeah, of did anybody does. ever have the Chiefs lower than, like, no. second in the conference? No, because I see, that's what, I see Eric, you know, arguing with Chiefs fans all the time. And it's like, well, this media person's like, Bart Scott said the Chiefs wouldn't make the playoffs. Like, great, there was so many, how many thousands of people were over here Yeah, on Media Row right. this week? Many. Like, one of those 3,000 probably had the Chiefs out of the playoffs. And, like, that's your bulletin board. Ah, nobody had us right. going. It like, felt, no, there's no, you were not the plucky underdog it, Chiefs. Right. It felt like pretty consistently this team was seen as, you know, a legit contender. Like, okay, maybe people had the Bills as favorites for, mo- for a majority of the time. And then maybe people thought the Bengals would beat them or whatever. But, like, nobody ever had them as, like, rank outsiders that had no shot. I will say a lot of the money was on the Eagles this week. Yeah, the, the, but the money went to the Eagles. A lot of people picked the Eagles this week, but not enough to move the line more than what one point five was. Yeah. That what it ended? That's what it moved to almost immediately, and then stayed there all the way through. So it's not like all the money plowed in on Philadelphia and shifted this thing a mile. Like again, it was pretty close. All right, I want to go to the Eagles side really quick to to again wrap this up. Jalen Hurts played fantastic. You know, outside of basically two plays, one was disastrous, mm-hmm. an absolutely disastrous play. Yes. Um, but I thought their style of play. Now they got shut down. By the way, the Chiefs run. The Chiefs did a really good job against the Eagles' run game. Outside of Hertz, Hertz led the team with 70 rushing yards. He set uh, Super Bowl records for rushing attempts with 15, yards with 70, touchdowns with three. Also had a two point conversion in there. Had a passing touchdown in there as well. Hit some deep passes. Devont to Devont. He had Devontae Smith, AJ Brown. They got theirs. But the Eagles' style, that aggressive style that they had, I wonder how quickly that catches on around the NFL even more. I mentioned a couple years ago the Chargers-Browns game where they just kept going for it and both teams scored in the 40s. I was like, this is a futuristic NFL game. There was elements of this that I thought were futuristic. And I don't know if this is just you're playing the Chiefs, but the Eagles play like this all the time. The aggressiveness going for it on fourth down, 
And I think the Chiefs' defense overall played pretty well, but gave up 35 points. They played pretty well, but gave up 35 points. Not, be, But I think we might see more of this in the NFL just because you're playing a team that's legitimately saying, I'm going to use all four downs to try to score touchdowns, not field goals. So we might enter this world in the NFL where there's just more scoring and the defenses look worse, but they're not really because offenses are just maximizing their opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is this was pretty much everything it was built up to be. It was the two best teams in the NFL. It was a great game. Both offenses were really good, really interesting, really great. They made a lot of big plays. They brought a lot of kind of unique things to the table. And then the problem is it just ended meekly because, unfortunately, the clock becomes an issue and it's impossible to avoid that without that one suggestion from the dude on Twitter that I can't remember who it was. I would have really liked to see the last drive. And as aggressive as the Eagles had been with no timeouts, do they take one or two of those shot plays for A.J. Brown? But the point is, like, if they get, yeah, like, it has to end somehow. Like, if, okay, even if they get the shot at it, then they go back and they score. And then, like, there's no way of, like, there's no neat way of wrapping this up when it's just too, like, heavyweight slugging back and forth. Like, eventually there's got to be some... Yeah, the Eagles would have had the last, they would have had the last opportunity because they had no... Because the the Chiefs defense that had started to make some stops... Had a chance. I mean, they didn't the last drive, but they made a few stops in the second <laughs> half. Had a chance there. Yeah. Anyway, great season, man. Mm-hmm. That's it. Do we want to wrap on uh, the start of the quarterback carousel news? Um, Derek Carr? Derek Carr. Or Chad Henney. No. The first no. domino to fall was Derek Carr. The second one was Chad Henney's retirement. I don't think that's really a domino. Since oh, it's, it's not, a domino. Well, it's not causing anything else to fall. It's simply falling on its own out from somewhere else good for multiple okay good Derek Carr the news came out today that Derek Carr with his no trade clause will be exercising his ability to not be traded anywhere and has determined that everybody can go screw themselves Derek Carr's not going anywhere they're gonna have to cut him which I feel is outstanding pettiness on his on his behalf and I applaud it kind of is I mean we 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 spend a lot of time thinking about the game through the lens of a team and the Derek Carr contract at the time didn't seem all that egregious. And even now, like, they were going to get out of it. Like, they left themselves out in the Derek Carr contract. We were talking about this on Media Row with multiple people about, say, Daniel Jones. Like, what would be the best Daniel Jones contract? One where you maybe you give him a couple years, but you, you have an out. The Raiders built in an out for Derek Carr. But mm. they also gave him a no-trade clause. Yeah. So well, they no. had an out financially. There's two parts to the mistake. One, they gave him the no-trade clause. And then two, they pissed him off so that he's going to use the no-trade clause. They did. They did. They could have handled it better. And the problem with not handling it better is you've upset what is a staggeringly petty genetically group, genetic group of people. The cars, they hold a grudge. All of them. This feels like a Darren car play. Derek's a good dude. I've heard Derek. You know, Derek's a nice guy. Darren, though. Who's yeah. blocked me on Twitter? Right, da- Darren. Who's got Derek Carr? He's got the ear of. Derek. He's got it open. He's got his tweet deck with Derek Carr open yeah. at all days because he'll just come out of nowhere, <laughs> right? Like I made a statement that what, a couple years ago that Derek Carr's interception streak. Like what? Look at these three plays. He should have interceptions. I'm just bringing some context to stupid interception-free streaks. But then everybody's like, "Watch out! Here come the cars. Mm-hmm. Here comes Darren." And they were right. Will Brinson gave me a heads up. Yeah, and. uh 
Darren Carr pounced. This feels like Darren Carr was like, nope, accept your release. Just get released, man. It's just like if you were going to, you know, upset one quarterback in the NFL and be 100% sure that it would come back and bite you in the ass if it could, it would be the cars. Yeah. They're going to do it. Yeah. And they did it. So Josh, I mean, Josh McDaniels got to do a little more. He's got to know about social media and, the best and thing, Carr and everything. The best thing about it is he let him on. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go visit with the Saints. Let's go check him out. We could, we could make something happen until the there. last second. And they had a whole deal worked out. And then he went, nah. Nah. I'm just not going to do it. See ya. I'll tell you what, that's the kind of pettiness I want in my building. <laughs> so, so free agent Derek Carr, come on down. Um, I mistakenly, because I was, I was just trying, I was quick on the trigger. I went right to Twitter and I was like, oh, you, so you don't get trade compensation. And in my head, I was like, oh, he'll leave as a free agent. You'll get um, a comp pick. But uh-huh. you don't because he's, he's got to get released. So there's yeah. no comp pick either. So the Raiders legitimately get nothing. Yep. Except the uh, savings. Yes. That's it. So Derek gets to stick it to them on the way out the door. He said, I'll leave you with nothing. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Where do you think he ends up? Probably in New Orleans where he had the sleepover already. <laughs> he had a sleepover. It's kind of fascinating, right? Because he ends up becoming the first guy available by quite some distance now because of this. But he's all, like he's the first guy available, but he's also like the consolation prize for everybody. You know what I mean? Wasn't Wentz... The first guy available in previous years too, or was he last? I wasn't Wentz been like traded, the first, hasn't he? But it, but I feel like QB need like the Commanders and the Colts both traded for him. Yeah, and then like better quarterbacks were. But it's like, later. but for but the Derek Carr thing is weird because he's available right now, essentially as soon as they they cut him. But nobody is going to be going after him as their first option, right? You're going to be trying well, Aaron like Rodgers. Yeah, or... you want Aaron Rodgers, but Rodgers, so that the timing of this is incredible, right? So Rodgers, tomorrow, starts day one of tomorrow. four days in darkness, right? While Derek Carr must be released by, is it the 15th? Or is it going to happen before that? Well, it has to be before, it's whatever the day that it becomes fully guaranteed. It's got to be before It that. might be the 13th, which might be tomorrow. So if Derek Carr gets released while Aaron Rodgers in the darkness, it really puts QB team, needy teams in a bind here. But I think Carr will probably take his time. Yeah. Find the date. I'm looking for the date. It's not obviously in this article, which is unfortunate. What where, where do you, What happens to Rodgers when he emerges Thursday? Well, it depends what his decision is. Or is it, it Friday? Is it four 24-hour periods in the darkness? He said you can leave any time. Is he going to make it the whole four days? Is Rodgers a quitter? Is what I want to know because he was very confident that he's going to spend the whole four days in the darkness. But he's like, you can leave anytime. If he is he going to bounce after like what if he gets his answer after like ten hours? Well, here's the question: If he emerges, if he emerges from the darkness retreat with the answer that he wants to come back and play for a different team, but he does it in two days, is that a red flag? Because now you didn't see through your thing. Now you did. You quit. You bailed. Mm. Yeah, you're you're already a quitter, right? And we don't like at this point in your career, we can't afford to bring on a quitter. I'm only interested. Like, yeah, I, you can only come to us if yeah. you've made it through the four days before you come to that conclusion. If you only if you decided that after two days, that's that's just half a job. Yeah, I don't think. It, yeah, that maybe that means he's if he bounces early, he means he's going to retire. 
I think. Hugh sounded really excited about this four day. He's been looking forward to this for a while. He's been looking forward to it. I think he's ready. Yeah. For the four days. Which itself is a little But weird. I'm just like I think Carr is gonna take his time too. So he'll Carr will remain unsigned before let me ask but I kinda feel let like me that, ask the people what they think. But I kinda feel like that's gonna be enforced because I just don't why would it why would you sign Derek Carr now when something better might be available? You know what I mean? If you're who? Anybody. I don't know. The Jets, right? If you're the Jets, why would you jump on a Derek Carr just because he's available now when Aaron Rodgers in four days, once he climbs out of a black hole somewhere? I don't know. You wouldn't. Might be available. Rodgers might end up with the Raiders, though, back with Devontae. Sure. But my point being, like anybody that could sign Derek Carr right now is surely interested in better quarterbacks. I've heard all NFC South teams may be potentially interested. So the most recent rumor is maybe the Bucks are just going to get their salary cap in order. So they might go a transition year, <laughs> yeah. which may, means they're probably out on Carr. The Saints obviously had the sleepover with Carr. And then the Panthers, I think this is false, but they said they're, you know, they're going to you know, investigate Carr. They're sitting there at pick nine, yeah. right? And the heavy rumors everywhere that they're with Josh McCown in there. He loves C.J. Stroud. McCown's the new QB coach that they're going to try to go get Stroud at one. Atlanta would be intriguing. All the NFC South teams. But Atlanta in particular. Because they got some good good weapons. They're in the right spot. And as, the offense, the I think he'd actually be kind of fascinating in that offense. Because he's got mobility. They've got some good players. They've got a good run game. They need defense. They don't. That's where they need to draft. I actually think he would be pretty fascinating in that offense. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk about this all week. We're going to get home. And um, is there anything else you want to touch on? on no. The, uh, the QB carousel? I don't think so. I think that's the start of the QB carousel. Derek Carr. And one backup the quarterback wild. off the market. Yes. And Chad Henney. Sadly, Chad Henney will not be raising us with his majesty anymore. Yeah. I wonder if Jim Irsay does these darkness retreats when he's making his decisions. No. It's not going to be Coach Saturday. That was another piece of news today. Was Jeff Saturday definitely eliminated? It sounds like um, Eagles OC Shane Steichen's the leader there. Yeah. So the Colts like play callers from the Eagles generally. It, it did. All the reports did say like pending an agreement or something, right? Yeah, we'll see what Which that means. Did leave the door open oh. for a quick pivot back to Jeff Saturday if the wheels fall off that thing. And a and an official congratulations from us to PFF Bobby. Yes, Bobby Slowick. Goes from uh, pass game coordinator for the 49ers to mm-hmm. offensive coordinator yep. for the Houston Texans. Uh-huh. So, like, yeah, congrats and all, Bob. Still a little upset he didn't let us break it. He didn't let us break it. Tom Pelissero broke it. We're sitting there at breakfast. Mind uh, two pancakes more than I should have eaten, but just enjoying a nice breakfast. And Tom Pelissero's breaking it. Yeah. That Bobby... So we, we both... Is the new OC you know, in Houston. We both sent him a very sincere text. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Really pumped for you. Yep. And then I sent him a little follow-up one saying, you know, kind of mad you didn't let me and Steve break the news, though. And he's sort of like, you know, lots of laughing faces. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of wanted to be like, no, no, I mean it. You know? I, it, it's, it's not fun in games. Are we not a serious enough entity right. to him? Like, I, I, you know, I mean it. If I had signed for somewhere, I would let... One of us break the news. I wouldn't send it out to Tom Pelissero. The man gets enough news. He does. What does he need this for? We could have broken it. We would have done it tactfully. 
Sure. Timely. Professional. Like, you know, the way Renner, every now and again, is one source comes good, and Renner breaks news. We right? legitimately have two sources, and one of them screwed us over with the biggest news of his career. Right. But you know the way, like, every now and again, Renner breaks a story because yeah. of his one source, right? That's what we could do. Yeah. Every now and again, like every X number of years, when Bobby gets a different job, yeah. we break Bobby's news. Or Zach. Or I'll Zach. I'll make sure Zach, when Zach gets his OC gig... If he screws us as we'll well, get that one. Then both. Of those I mean, guys. we we had the big time throwcast together. Zach, you did. Like, he's been like he's a he's a podcast alum. He's an alum. It has to get his Bob. on this. Bobby is too. He's been on the show he's as well. He's been on the podcast. So maybe we'll get we'll see if we get Bobby on the show at some point to talk. But yeah. um, all right, that's it. I'm tired. Yeah, people tired. Not enough people are giving thumbs up. We appreciate everybody staying up late for us with uh, the big game, aka Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Don't be fooled. The big game is the Super Bowl. That's what they're talking about. So I uh, appreciate everybody sticking around for us. And um, we're going to fly home tomorrow. Yeah. Be back in studio Tuesday. Renner's going to be there maybe if he uh, decides to come back to PFF. There's here. at least a 50-50 chance that Renner's in the studio. We might have a show with Mike Renner on Tuesday. Yeah. We'll see if he shows up. Uh-huh. You never know. He's a loose cannon. Loose cannon, that guy. Yeah. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. See you again on Tuesday. Good night, guys. Congrats to the Chiefs. Don't eat poop dogs. Don't do it.